So James chapter 1, verse number 12, James 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Not that gives in to it, but endures it. He comes out on the other side of it still doing right. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13 by the way, thank you to all of you for your prayers for me the last few days. It's been, it's been a rough week, but I'm feeling so much better today. My, my voice is not completely cleared up. The congestion's not all gone, but I feel so much better I can't even describe it. And I'm very thankful for your prayers. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. That word suffer means permit. He will not permit you to be tempted above that you are able. But will, with the temptation, also Make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. There's no temptation, no temptation taken you but what is common. Whatever temptation you face, somebody else has faced it. Somebody else is facing it. Somebody else is going through it. But this much we know, God is faithful. And if He allows the temptation to come, first of all, it will never be more than what you're able to bear. So before you say, I just can't do this, You need to realize that to make such a statement is to call the Word of God a lie. Because if you couldn't do it, God wouldn't allow this to be affecting you. That means that God has more faith in you than you have. Because God knows you can handle it. So you need to get that revelation. And then the other thing is that he will with that temptation provide a way out of it. You got to look for the way out. You got to try to find the exit route. You got to look for the escape hatch. Praise God. 
Because God will provide one. If you'll trust him. And so today we are dealing with, as I said, the subject of temptation. This is part two in our ongoing series, Living in Truth, which is supposed to be New Converts course, but we're going a little bit deeper than just New Converts in all of this. Uh, and hopefully even our established saints of God will glean something from this study today. Let's put our Bibles down, lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. I certainly need His help and want His touch. Let's talk to the Lord. Jesus' name. Let's praise Him together right now, everybody, before you're seated. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Everybody give Him praise. He's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I do need to take a few moments today and um, do some review because, uh, as I said, it's it's been a few weeks since I started this lesson, and I've taught a totally different subject in the middle of all this. So I need to go back and remind everyone of where we are and what we're dealing with. The first thing that I addressed in part one of this lesson was that everyone should come to the realization that temptation is simply a fact of life. Temptation is a fact of life. It is a part of the human condition. Now I said temptation is. Giving in to temptation is a choice. But temptation itself is going to be with you all the days of your life. Temptation doesn't stop just because you get converted. The difference is you now have the power to overcome that temptation. In spite of what so many people are proclaiming today, you don't have to sin every day. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes and we're not going to falter and we're not going to fall. But we don't have to commit willful sin all the time. If we do, what is the purpose of conversion? And from what have you been converted to what? If you're just the same after conversion, there is no conversion. Conversion. 
The very word conversion means a change. If you just remain the same, you've not been converted. And, and, and we've dealt with this. I don't want to get hung up on all this. But that's why there has to be a new birth. It's amazing to me that people really think in their minds that you can experience new birth but live the same life. Then what's the purpose in a new birth? Unfortunately, we've, we've, we've reached a point in Christian history where people want to just accept Christ but they don't want to serve him. And that's sad. Sad. Because he didn't save us to just keep living the same old life. He wants us changed. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. That's what the Bible says. And so we need to understand that temptation will always be with us. And we need to understand that being tempted itself is not a sin. I brought out in that first lesson that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Which proves, that one scripture alone proves that temptation is not a sin. Now the devil likes to mess with your mind. He wants to tempt you and then make you feel guilty and condemned because you were tempted. As though the temptation itself is a sin. But the temptation's not a sin. It's only when you give in to temptation that you commit the sin. And believe it or not, every Christian is tempted in some way. Now, I dealt with this. You know, I'm not tempted to drink. I'm not tempted to smoke. Those things are no temptation for me. But there are other things. There are other things that I've got to deal with and things you've got to deal with. Praise God. Now, the book of James defines temptation. He says, every man is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And so he defines temptation, therefore, as as simply our carnal desires compelling us to do wrong. We're only tempted by those things we desire. Praise God. And then the next thing that I dealt with in this lesson was the fact that the real battleground for every temptation Is the mind. And the battle will be won or lost in the mind. I've talked about how that as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
Whatever you allow your mind to dwell on is what you become. Which is why it's a danger to read certain things. To look at certain things. Because it enters the arena of your mind. And once it's there, you're going to have to battle with it. There are things that are etched into our memories that we cannot erase. You know, that's why it's, it's, it's a silly notion to tell people to forgive and forget. We don't have a forget button. In fact, the harder we try to forget something, the more we're thinking about it. And the less likely we are to forget it. So our job is to forgive and then live as if it's forgotten. Only God can truly forgive and forget. So there are things that can get lodged in our minds. That create this battleground and it creates temptation for us. And, and so what, what we look at, what we read, what we listen to. Those things impact our thoughts. And our thoughts can breed temptation. Well, praise God. And so really, in its most basic sense, temptation begins with a thought. And then we decide whether to carry that thought through or not. And so today we're going to pick up at that point and, and we, want to, we want to move on into some new areas. Um... It's, it's important that we recognize temptation for what it is. Because if you're not alert to the nature of temptation, then, then you may simply decide that some sinful thought is your own idea. And if you see it as your own idea, then it doesn't seem quite as harmful or quite as wrong somehow. And we tend to justify it. But recognizing temptation as temptation is the first step to victory over temptation. Did, did you get that? Recognizing temptation as temptation is the first step to victory over temptation. Now, I've already stated it. We'll read it again. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Read for me. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, it's, it's possible that as he suffered hunger, 
been without food for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't, I don't know this. I, I don't know. We often think of Jesus coming face to face with the devil. You know, that's the way we kind of picture the temptation of Christ in the wilderness is, is, is the devil embodied himself in some visible form and, and the two of them are having a conversation. I don't know if that's really the way it happened. I, I submit to you there is the possibility that these were thoughts that came into his mind. If you're truly the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Brother Hall, that, that really kind of sounds like a thought to me, not a conversation. I think perhaps the devil could have, could have been putting these thoughts into his head and making him try to wonder if he really was who he said he was because that's the way the devil certainly works with us he doesn't appear in a bodily form we don't see him in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork and horns but you know how we do see him in the resources of our mind he comes and puts thoughts in our mind and he doesn't say hey here's a message from the devil He just says, you know, you don't really want to tell the truth about this. You could get in trouble if you admit this. And we think, oh, man, why did I think that? I want to tell you why you thought it. Somebody put the thought there. We really need to recognize temptation for what it is. The thought was not a sin because Jesus was without sin. And temptation only becomes sin when we yield ourselves to it. Romans chapter 6 verse 13, listen to this. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now this is amazing. And I don't know if anybody's, if, if any of you, I'm sure somebody has noticed. But I don't know if any of you have ever noticed this. But I want you to look at what the Bible says. Don't yield your members. Now what's he talking about? Your body. Don't let your hands steal. Don't let your tongue speak evil. The members of your body, don't yield them as instruments of unrighteousness. But yield them to God. As instruments of righteousness. So as long as you resist, as long as you don't let your body carry out... What your mind is telling it to do. Right? Yes. Why, does, why does my arm move? Because the mind told it to. Yeah. 
Are you, are you following me today? The reason why my feet move is because my mind tells them to move. But I can control whether they move or not. I can control whether I speak or not. And it's up to me to recognize temptation when it comes and not just spout off everything that goes across my mind. It's up to me to not carry out every thought that I have. And, you know, really, let's face it, the mind is a member of the body just as the eyes or the hands. And so somehow you got to get control of your mind. Matthew chapter 5 verse 28. Listen to this. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman woman to lust after her her hath committed adultery with her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. heart. Now, 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 the Bible talks about the heart, and it's not talking about the literal organ, the, 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 the pumping muscle. But really, it's, it's dealing with what we today call the mind, the consciousness of man. And, and the Bible says you don't actually have to do the deed. If you give in to the thoughts... And dwell on those thoughts. You've yielded your mind to unrighteousness. Job 31 and 1. Let's let's throw the... While we're on this subject. You know, it'd be a good opportunity to take a little time and preach against pornography. But but Job Job 31.1 says this. I made a covenant I made with mine a eyes. Covenant with my eyes. Why then should I Why look upon a maid? Why then should I think mm. upon a maid? Now, now, you know, I've, I've I've used this verse a lot in in dealing with guarding your eyes, but but there's something else here that you need to notice, because. Really, there's a bit of a contrast in this statement that I've never picked up on before. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes. In other words, I'm not letting my eyes look at something they shouldn't. But if my eyes are not going to look on it, why should I allow my mind to think about it? See, we can't stop the thoughts from coming but we don't have to dwell on them. And it's when we start dwelling on those thoughts that they begin to push us to action. Oh, this is so, so important that you get this. It is so important that you get this. Listen, that's how the devil causes division. He puts some little thought in your mind that somebody doesn't like you, somebody's against you, and then you dwell on that. You start thinking about that. And the more you think about it, every little thing they do, you see it in the light of that prism. You, you, you see it from that perspective because you won't get rid of that thought. That's why we have to cast down imaginations. 
We got to get rid of some of those thoughts and not allow them to take root in our mind. We can't stop them from coming, but we don't have to dwell on them. Oh, I feel this so strong this morning. Come on, Pastor. Any sin can be committed in the mind yes. if you yield your thought processes to that temptation. Now the initial thought's not the sin, but it's when you begin to entertain that thought. You begin to expand on that thought. You begin to experience pleasure from the consideration of that thought. That's when sin is committed. I want to tell you, you can, you can commit the sin of greed without ever stealing anything. You can commit the sin of covetousness without ever saying a word. There are things that, that, that happen in your mind. And, and church, this is why. I stress we've got to have our minds renewed by the Holy Ghost. They've got to be renewed by the Holy Ghost. Every once in a while we need to go in and ask God, purge my mind. Purge my mind. Yes, sir. God, purge my mind. I think it was Rusty Goodman many years ago that wrote a song, Paint My Mind with Calvary's Blood. That needs to happen to every one of us. We need to go back and, and ask him, God, please paint my mind with your blood. Take these images out. Take these thoughts out. Don't let me believe these wicked things about my brother or my sister. Don't let me dwell on these wicked imaginations. Don't let me accept that everybody's out to get me. Paint my mind with your blood. Because you see, if we allow these temptations to continue to dwell in our mind, they will bring us to action. But if the temptation is conquered before the mind is yielded, then no other member of the body will ever give in. Every member is controlled by the mind. And if we'll get control of our minds and our thoughts, we won't give in to sin. Oh, Lord, I feel this. Now, interesting thing that the book of James tells us. Um... It, it really seems like a, a paradox. Read, read James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy. When count you fall, it all joy. When ye fall into diverse temptations. Oh, oh, oh. How in the world are we supposed to do that? Temptation comes and we're supposed to be happy about it? Count it joy 
when you fall into diverse temptations. Yes. Read. Knowing this. Knowing this. That the trying of the your faith. The trying of your faith. Worketh patience. Worketh patience. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when temptation comes. Because this is an opportunity to grow spiritually. See, instead of seeing every temptation as the opportunity to fail, we need to see it as the opportunity to grow. This is a chance for me to put this spiritual power into practice. And to do something to overcome this temptation. I don't have to be chained to whatever it is I feel like I'm bound to. Not if I've got the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling inside me. I don't have to be bound by anything. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And whatever the temptation may be, whatever the temptation may be, this gives me a chance, Brother Hilton, to overcome. This gives me a chance to grow. To prove to myself and to prove to the devil that I'm no longer under his captivity. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, this blessing comes as a result of having two elements in your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's a familiar verse of Scripture, but I want to I point something out to you. Uh, let's, let's read Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, there are two things that are mentioned in this verse. He said, we know all things work together for good. Sometimes that's where people put the period, and that's the only part of the verse they even know. All things work together for good. And so we try to convince ourselves that no matter what comes our way, oh, it's going to work out for good. Now, now, first of all, before I even get into the two elements that are here, let me just say this. Please note that it does not say all things are good. Because not everything that comes our way is good. Unfortunately, there are things that life throws at us that are really just too big for us to handle. On our own. Without the help of God. But I can do all things. Through Christ. Which strengthens me. With his help I can, I can do it. So not everything is good. But everything will work for good. That includes temptation. It will work for good. If there are these two essential elements in your life, first of all, a love for God. You've got to have a real love for God. You say, well, I do love Him. Well, you know, the Bible says that if you love me, keep my commandments. So that's the real test of love. The real test of love is not whether you um, 
have a fish bumper sticker on your car. And I don't know if anybody does. So if you do, I'm not pointing you out today. But that's not the real test of love. The real test of love is whether or not you do what he wants you to do. That's the real test of love. Love is not just having God as your provider, though he is a provider. But real love is service to him. Well, you know, when I have to counsel a couple, and I've had to do that a lot in 40 years of pastoring, I, I hear them say, well, I really do love him, Pastor. I really do love him. Or I really do love her. And yet the things that they do, they know are displeasing their spouse. They know that. So please tell me again how much you love them. If you know what they want. You know what makes them happy. You know what displeases them. And yet you live your life to please yourself. Maybe you do love them, but I submit you love yourself more. And the same is true when it comes to our love for God. If we're not willing to make some sacrifices for Him, we're not willing to do some things to please Him that displease ourselves. We love ourselves more than we love Him. Yes. And you know, there is a biblical word for that. It's idolatry. You've made yourself... Into a God. Yes. Because you are more important than he is. Hallelujah. Well, if, if God loves me, then he's going to let me do what I want. Well, if you love him, then you're going to do what he wants. So, so there's got to be a love for God, number one. And if you really love God, you're trying to do what pleases God. You're, you're giving it your best. That doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you're flawless. You're giving it your best. You really love God. The second thing that's necessary is you've got to be called according to His purpose. Now, that's an interesting statement. Mm -hmm. Called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? What is his purpose? If we're called according to his purpose, now, now yes, he wants to save us, but for what reason? What is the reason he saved us? What, what is the real Thing he wants to accomplish in our lives. 
All right, look, here's the problem is we read verse 28 and we never go any further. How many times have you heard me say that? How many times have you heard me say that the reason we come to wrong conclusions about Scripture is because we take this one Scripture, we never read anything else? Maybe, just maybe, if we want to know what His purpose is, maybe we should just read another verse. All right. So let's go on. This is verse 28. Let's read verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, for whom he did foreknow, he also, he did, also predestinate did predestinate to be conformed to be conformed to the to image, the of, image his of his son. What is his purpose? His purpose is for you to take on the image of the son. His purpose is to make you like him. That's what it really means to be a Christian. His whole purpose. He didn't just save you to keep you out of hell. That's, that's, that's a false concept. He didn't just save you to keep you out of hell. He saved you to change you into His image. Look, when He created man, the Bible's very specific that He created man in His image. But man sinned and defiled that image. And from that time to this, it's been the purpose of God to restore the image of God in man. To make us like He is. Come on, get a revelation of this church. Get a revelation of this. This is His purpose for your life. This is His goal for you. You want to know the will of God for you? I'm telling you the will of God for you. The will of God is that you be conformed to the image of Christ. That you be like Him. That's His purpose for your life. He wants to make you more like Him. Every time that He has an opportunity, He wants to take some of you away and put some of Him in its place. He doesn't save you for you just to stay the way you've always been. He saved you to make you more like Him. And so you know what he does? He allows temptations to come our way. To give us the opportunity to overcome temptation. So it will build something in us. It will build our character. It will make us more like him. Be ye holy. For I am holy. Saith the Lord. Is anybody getting a hold of what I'm trying to deliver here this morning? This is the purpose for temptation. It comes so that you'll, 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 you'll have this struggle. You'll have this battle. But at the end of the battle, you come out stronger. You don't give in. You don't succumb. But you overcome. You pray, you seek God, you do everything you can do to fight temptation off. And when that battle's over, you come forth victorious and you're stronger and you're more like Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
There is a gradual process that causes us to go from what we were to what He wants us to be. We are to become more and more like Him in our thoughts, in our conduct, in our motives. And that's why, and I said all this to say, how is it that we can count it all joy when we fall into temptation? That's how. If we recognize, hey, the Lord's given me an opportunity to become a little bit more like Him. God loves me enough. He, he hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't cast me off. This temptation is not because He hates me. This trial is not because He despises me or He's mad at me. It's because He loves me and He wants to change me into His image. So thank God I've got this opportunity right now. Thank God He's allowed this to come my way. He's going to make it work for good. What good? I'll tell you what good he's going to make it work for. He's going to make you more like him. That's what good it's going to be. He's going to make you more like he is. And so when you are tempted to think a wrong thought, it is an opportunity to consciously and purposefully Think a right thought. You replace that bad thought with a good one. Take every thought into captivity, the Bible says. You get control of it. You don't just sit and dwell on it. You don't sit and think about it. You get a hold of it. You grab it. You take it into captivity. Listen, listen. This is the essence of being led by the Spirit. The Spirit's not going to lead you into sin. The Spirit's going to lead you away from temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Part of that prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. He's not going to lead you into temptation. He'll lead you away from temptation if you'll let him. Yes. And listen, being led by the Spirit, you may not know this, but this is one of the criteria of truly being a child of God. Now, I say this on the authority of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit. Right. So tell me again, we're supposed to sin every day? Yeah. Are you telling me the Spirit's leading you into sin every day? No. No. The Spirit of God is not going to lead you into sin. And as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. That's Bible. The Spirit of God is going to lead us out of temptation. The Spirit of God is going to empower us to overcome temptation. 
And so to be led by the Spirit is to immediately obey the initial promptings of the Holy Ghost. Are you following me today? Your mind, there's some thought that comes into your mind. And the Spirit says, no, don't go there. And you listen. And you obey. And you take control of those thoughts. And I'm going to show you. I probably won't get to it today. But I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some actual methods of doing this. But let me just say that there's a couple things you can do that, that, that ought to just be common sense. And one is, if you're struggling with, with some thought that you know you shouldn't be thinking and you just can't seem to get it out of your mind... Open your Bible and start reading. It will make your mind follow what God wants. Now sometimes it's a real battle because your mind keeps wandering while you're trying to read. And honestly, sometimes you need to read it out loud. Because if your eyes are just going over the page, your mind can be going somewhere else. Put forth some effort into this thing. If you really want to overcome the temptation, place some good emphasis on good gospel music. Something that will lead you into the presence of God. Not just music that you can juke and jive to. But something that you know. I, I, I don't know, you know, to me, when I'm driving, I like something going on. I like to be listening to something. I, I just, I like there to be something going on. And a lot of times, I like music. I just like to listen to music. And I'm telling you, there have been times driving down the road and some song comes on and, and it doesn't take long until it just leads me into the presence of God. You ever had that happen? The Spirit of God really does respond to good music. In fact, the Spirit of the devil responds to good music. Just ask King Saul. Every time an evil spirit came and plagued him, he wanted David to start playing. Now I can promise you David wasn't playing rap songs. Yeah, I can't even imagine a rap song on a harp. I I'm trying to get my thoughts into captivity right now. <laughs> oh, praise God. But I'm telling you, the spirit world responds to music. 
One of these nights, I'm going to teach on music. It's been a long, long time, but I'm going to teach on it. But the spirit world really does respond. Good music can lead you into the presence of God and away from the presence of the devil. The wrong kind of music can lead you out of the presence of God into the presence of the devil. Don't ever forget that Lucifer was created with music in him. That's what the Bible says. So there's got to be some kind of music that is demonic. So th- th- these are just a few things. Now, you know, and I've, I've said this before, but we honestly, we found, and I wish that I could find these again, but we, we found at one time when our kids were young, we found, this is way back, the days of cassette tapes. And then some of you, uh, cassette, cassettes were not even a thing when you were born. They didn't even, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. Go to a museum somewhere. Just before the dinosaur section. But we found a cassette tape. And it was, the whole tape was just scriptures set to music. And, and I loved it. I'm telling you, our kids were kids. And they'd be in the back seat. You're touching me. I know your kids never, never. But mine were just human. Mine were not angelic. Now, my grandkids, another story. But my kids. My kids were not angelic. And they had their little fusses and their feuds and their whatever. But but this is the absolute truth is we could put that tape in the tape player. And it just changed the atmosphere in that car. It really did. And it was just the scriptures set to music. But it changed everything. So that's just a couple things. Again, time permitting, I probably won't permit today. But at some point, I am going to get into some actual ways to, to take your thoughts into captivity. But the point is this, you've got to make up your mind to allow the Spirit of God to direct you in those moments. Find a way to be obedient to the Spirit when temptation comes. And yield your members to righteousness rather than unrighteousness. And and then, this verse that we read as our text should make more sense to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So four things that I see in this verse of Scripture. First of all, you'll never be tempted in a unique way. No matter what the temptation is, it's common. Secondly, God will never fail to be with you during temptation. 
He will always provide a way of escape. Third, no temptation will ever surpass your ability to resist. It'll never be stronger than you are able to stand against. And then finally, with every temptation, with every temptation, a way of escape will be made. With every temptation. You just have to learn to let the Spirit lead you in those moments. I hope you're getting this today. This temptation is going to be a part of your life. But there are ways to overcome. So let me see how, how much of this I can get through. I want to give you four steps to overcoming temptation. Because this scripture says that God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. So let me see if I can outline for you that way to escape. First of all, recognize that every Christian experiences the battle between the flesh and the spirit. In other words, recognize it's common. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So, so there is the flesh has desires that are contrary to what the Spirit wants for you. So this battle is going to go on, and it's going to go on for everybody. Don't feel like you're alone just because you're being tempted. Step number one, don't feel isolated in a time of temptation. See, before you're born again, everybody is free from righteousness. Galatians 6.20, that's scriptural language. Galatians 6 and 20. Yes, I'm sorry, Romans 6 and 20, I'm sorry. Romans 6 and 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. When you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Now, by that I mean there, there was no struggle between flesh and spirit before conversion. So, so that righteousness really had no pull on you. And sin didn't really have a pull on you. You just served it. There's no struggle between the flesh and the spirit because you've not been born again. John 3 verse 6 says this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Yeah, so... That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So, so the unregenerated man is a servant of sin. But once you're born again, there's a new spiritual nature. That's what it means to be born again. 
There's a new nature that comes with the new birth. And so because of this new nature, the flesh, which is accustomed to dominance. The flesh is accustomed to always getting its way. And now all of a sudden, the spirit moves in. And those two are locked in a battle for supremacy. The spirit wants to take over. The flesh does not want to give in. It's the way it is. So recognize that. Recognize that it's coming. Second, recognize that whenever the flesh speaks, so will the spirit. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God works in you both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. The grace of God will give you both the desire and the power to do right. If you'll tap into that. It's there. It's present. When you pray through to the Holy Ghost. It's there. Tap into it. Learn to use it. When the flesh starts talking, try to listen for the voice of the Spirit. Because God's not going to leave you alone in that moment. When a temptation uh, presents itself in a Christian's mind, the grace of God is also present. And it provides the desire that is to will and the power That is to do God's good pleasure. Listen to me. Child of God, this is an unchanging, unfailing truth that you need to get a hold of. The grace of God is always present. And grace is not unmerited favor. Grace is God's strength to perform His will. And that grace is always present. So when temptation comes, Temptation cries out in a loud, clamoring, demanding voice. But the Spirit usually speaks in a still, small voice. And you've got to learn to distinguish the voices. So you can be led by the Spirit. Learn to listen for and then to instantly obey The gentle voice of the Spirit of God as it warns against sin and offers you an alternative action. Do you hear me? The Spirit's going to say, instead of this, do this. But it's not going to yell as loud as your flesh is. And the other thing is you're not as 
accustomed to hearing its voice as you are the voice of your flesh. You've been listening to that all your life. You recognize that voice. I've often said I don't need caller ID to recognize when my wife calls. I know her voice. I recognize her voice. You know why? Because we talk frequently. I can't say that that was the case when we first met. But after 43 years of marriage, I know her voice. I recognize her voice. And, and so you have lived with the voice of your flesh all your life. You're used to hearing it. You recognize it. You know when it speaks to you. But now there's a new voice. It's not as loud. It's not as boisterous. It's not as forceful. But it's there. And you've got to learn to shut out the voice of the flesh. And hear the voice of the Spirit. And with every temptation that comes, I'm telling you, put it to the test. With every temptation that comes, God will give you a way out. If you'll listen. But you're going to have to learn to crucify your flesh. This is a good opportunity to use one of my favorite scriptures again. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified, I am with, crucified Christ. with Christ. Nevertheless, Nevertheless I, live. I live. Yet, Yet not, not I, I but, Christ but Christ liveth in me. And the, the life, life which I now, I now live, live in the flesh. flesh. I, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me who and loved me gave, gave himself, himself for me. Yes, sir. I'm crucified. Now let me tell you something. I won't stay crucified. I won't stay crucified. I'm going to have to go back and crucify this flesh again and again and again and again. And so will you. But the more you crucify this flesh, the more you're going to be able to hear and distinguish the voice of the Spirit. Recognizing God's voice is a matter of familiarity. You've got to become familiar with it. You've got to listen to it enough to recognize it. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer. I read one time where a man said, if I had to choose between reading my Bible and praying, I'd read my Bible. Because God doesn't need to hear me speak, but I need to hear him speak. Well, I understand. It sounds really nice. But number one, you don't have to choose. <laughs> right. But number two, if you have to choose, I'm going to tell you, if you don't pray, the Bible's not going to really speak to you. That's true. You've got to crucify your flesh. 
You've got to spend time in His presence right. to really recognize His voice. Yes, sir. To know when it's Him. Right. You're right. going to have to spend time with Him. Yes. And that means crucifying the flesh. Now, I've only got 15 minutes, and, and, and this next, I've given you two of these four ways, but this next one is, is two pages long. <laughs> but I won't get through it. So I think we probably ought to close right here. And uh, have my wife come to the piano and We'll, we'll close out at this point and we'll pick up, Lord willing, next week with the third thing that you need to do. So number one, just recognize temptation is common. Number two, recognize that whenever the flesh speaks, so does the spirit. All right. Sure. Those two things are very, very important. And when temptation comes, listen for the voice of the spirit. Try to find the voice of the Spirit. Amen. Try to figure out what is it God is telling me to do at this moment. How can I reflect the character of God right now? If I give in to what I'm thinking, am I being like Christ? Well, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Well, first of all, you're probably going to need that piece. You probably want, ought to hang on to it. You give away too many pieces of your mind and there's nothing left. But you've got to ask yourself, is that something Jesus would do? Because I want to be like Him. I really want to be like Him. It's my desire to be like Jesus. I want to be what God wants me to be. I don't want to keep being the same person I've always been. And God doesn't want me to keep being the same person I've always been. He didn't save me to leave me as I am. His purpose is for me to take on His image. He became what we are. So we could become more like He is. That's His purpose for my life. And He's going to help me do that. He wants me to do that. So anytime I'm tempted, He's going to be there. If I learn to listen for Him. Let's stand and lift our hands this morning, can we? Let's talk to the Lord.